everyone. Welcome to Journeys with PDA Coffee Chat Podcast, where we seek connection, community, and co-regulation while discussing all things PDA. Welcome to today's episode of Journeys with PDA Coffee Chat Podcast. I'm Carissa Lyman. And I'm Heather Jessup. Today, we're going to be talking about PDA, what it is, in why we care. So, Heather, what is PDA? It is not the PDA that you are probably thinking of. It is not, in this context, public displays of affection. PDA, in this context, um, describes a um, profile or a subset of autism um, called pathological demand avoidance. And sometimes that can be a little off-putting when people first um, hear that um, that collection of words. Pathological. And it's mainly pathological because um, the first thing people usually think about um, uh, immediately um, has a negative um, feeling associated with it. And that's pathological. Um, people think pathological liar. Um, and while it, it does kind of invoke those, those negative emotions or feelings, um, it's really a good, in this context, definer of, of what this profile really is. Because pathological really means that um, whatever is happening is happening across all environments. It's happening across um, every aspect of, 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 of a person's life. So if you think about a pathological liar, they are, it's not something that they can help. Um, it is some, and it affects them through all the aspects of their life. Um, it's the same with pathological demand avoidance. In this case, um, in this profile, people with the PDA profile will be demand avoidance at a pathological level. The demand avoidance will impact their lives in every aspect, in every environment. You know, from the time they're awake, even when they sleep, our poor PDAers um, have got demand avoidance issues. Um, so if we just, if we're looking at just the definitions of each one of the words, pathological, we pretty much, we covered it. It's something that's going to, it's such a degree that it's extreme, it's excessive, and it's marketably abnormal. Um, it's not, it wouldn't be, I hate to use the word normal, but this was actually a definition from the Oxford Dictionary. Um, it's not a commonplace thing. It's something that's happening outside of what um, what would be considered within the normal range. And then we have demand. Demand is it's to ask for something in an authoritative way. Um, so you will get into like different demands um, in, in different episodes. I'm sure that's going to be a whole episode of, on its own about, you know, the, what a demand actually is and what it looks like. Um, but our, our PDAers, people with a PDA profile are hardwired to um, perceive demands in a way that threatens their, their, um, their existence. It threatens their safety. And then avoidance um, is an act or practice of avoiding or withdrawing from something. So um, our PDAers, if we put these all together, our, um, our PDAers are pathologically driven to avoid the demands of everyday life. Um, and Jane Sherwin, who is an author, who's the author of My Daughter Is Not Naughty, um, she defines PDA as an anxiety-driven need to avoid demands and to remain in control at all times. So at the, at the core of our PDAers' existence is they will 
they will um, do whatever they can to avoid a demand so that they can remain in control. And thus they feel like they have a sense of, of safety because they're avoiding the demands. So I, I often think about it as in um, pathological is it's, it's just happening. It's not like a choice or a decision. Um, It's just happening. And like you said, it happens um, all the time. Um, And I think that's a really vital point to this is they are avoiding all demands all the time. Um, And, and so, and then the other thing that I, that I always really think of that helps, um, helps me put my daughter who is my PDA, um, what helps me put it in perspective is, um, it's an extreme anxiety and it's soothed by control. So she can Mm -hmm. have control and understanding and knowledge of the situation, uh, then that's going to help soothe that anxiety. And, and because that anxiety is so high, she, she's always searching to control the situation, um, to, to help calm. And it's, it's more of about surviving, um, which I think is really important. This is about them surviving their environment. And it's the, like you said, it's the way their brain is wired. These, they're, these are not choices that they're making. They're not making these choices. They might seem bossy, but it's, it's a survival technique. And I think that is so important to understand. And that, that idea is as a mother, that's what gives me grace and compassion and the love to, to help my daughters really to survive. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, when we talk about, um, PDA in our workshops and when we do, um, we're actually doing presentations at conferences, you know, we, we briefly discuss about the um, physiology of a PDA's brain. And I always like to say, I'm not a brainologist. So, and I know, I know how this works on a very, you know, very basic level. Um, but basically there's a hijack between the amygdala, which is, um, our, our safety part of our brain, the brain, that's the most primitive part of our brain that wants to keep us alive. And the uh, prefrontal cortex or the, the, the frontal cortex, which helps us disseminate the information on whether or not um, something is actually um, going to harm us or something is actually um, is going to impede in our safety. There's a hijack. Um, and it, again, just like you said, it's, it's, it's not a choice. It is the way, um, it's, it, it's the way they're wired. The brain is wired. And but, I think and sometimes understanding, understand, understanding the physiology can, can help sometimes soothe that or help, you know, with the understanding that our kids are not, you know, they're not deliberately trying to be difficult, dis, you know, <laughs> difficult. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> it's the way their brains are wired. And and that, that is, um, that is so important is understanding that this is, this is going on in their brain. It's how they, it's how they're created, um, which leads into, um, they are not going to outgrow it. Um, you're not going to take it away from them. Um, but that you, you can, you can support them and encourage them. Um, but it, but it's how their, it's how their brain works. And, and that's really, um, a key point in this. And, and so then the other key point, um, there's a couple things, um, that I want to make sure we touch on. One is, um, 
is it a diagnosis? Because that is a big thing. And um, then the other thing is that PDA is a profile of autism spectrum disorder. Um, so it's also really important that when you're looking at PDA, that we're that we're realizing that you have your PDA characteristics, but then you're also going to have your autistic characteristics. And 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 both of those are going to be present in this person. And um, I think that's also really important. So um, we can go into characteristics in a second. Um, but first, let's talk a little bit about um, is PDA a diagnosis? And um, we're, you know, we'll, we can, this is another huge topic. Um, and so we'll just, we're just going to dip our toes into the whole diagnostic piece of it. Cause that is really complicated. So, um, why don't you go ahead and kind of explain the whole diagnosis? So the whole diagnosis. And once again, um, I want to throw out the caveat here that no one from journeys with PDA is a diagnostician. Um, we just, we have tons and tons of lived experience and we've done a lot of research and really have done deep dives into, you know, the, the topics that we're discussing, but we're no, by no means a diagnostician. Um, so the PDA society from the UK, um, their, their stance on PDA is that it is not a standalone condition. It is part of an autism profile. Um, it is not in any inner, um, it's not in any international diagnostic uh, manuals. There's not a diagnostic code in the DSM-5. Um, so sometimes it can be very difficult to obtain a diagnosis, um, but the PDA Society has put out literature and has put out diagnostic um, guidance that can be found at pdasociety.uk.org um, that can guide practitioners on actually how to um, how to diagnose the profile. So, what they or, do is they well. So I guess I guess we should maybe give the distinction of at this point, because it's not listed in any diagnostic manuals, PDA, um, like the terminology would be identified. Um, and so it could be self-identified or through a professional. Right. And the, it's identified. the, the diagnosis, yeah, the, the, the diagnostician would look at, um, the characteristics of, of PDA, see if it um, is applicable to their client. And then in the write-up, in their, in their um, diagnostic report, um, they can include language that would say meets the criteria or um, has the um, characteristics of pathological demand avoidance. And then also other wording that can be used is extreme demand avoidance, but so, it, can, it can be within the, within the, um, the diagnostic report. The, the, the thing is just finding, you know, being able to find a practitioner that is, um, that is familiar with the characteristics. Familiar with that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so so in this situation with my family and my daughter, um, when my daughter was going through her evaluation, um, the, this clinical psychologist who was doing the evaluation was very familiar with PDA and was able to identify PDA profile um, alongside my daughter's um, autism diagnosis. And so um, in our report, it, you know, it's, it's atypical autism, uh, with demand avoidant, uh, 
characteristics um, is as how I think it's worded um, for us. Um, some I would say that there's there's probably some or quite a few professionals who, because it's not in the DSM, um, which I guess uh, DSM we should. If we use initials, we should probably let people know what that means. So that's just um, the diagnostic manual that has all of the codes and it, and it defines, you know, what kind of criteria is met for a diagnosis. Um, and because PDA is not listed in the manual, um, some, some professionals hesitate in even mentioning it, um, which would lead to self-identification. So my son is not officially diagnosed with a pathological demand avoidance profile. Um, he is diagnosed having a level two um, autism diagnosis, but he ticks every box of PDA. And um, I always like to say he's, he's, he has a PDA profile because mama says he does, <laughs> which is, com which is completely valid. Completely valid. Yes. As his mother and yeah, when you, caregiver. And when you, when you have this, when you have this, this, um, it, when you, when you meet the characteristics, I mean, if it's a duck, if it walks like a duck and acts like, you know, waddles like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's a duck, right? Um, and it's not my fault that, you know, and it's not his fault that it's not officially in a diagnostic manual, but it makes no difference to me because he has those characteristics and the way we support him, um, is, you know, it, it's the best way to support his, his, his neurodiversity, his, his brain wiring. So, um, so let's talk a little bit about what are the characteristics of the PDA profile? So there's, um, there are a couple of the, the gold standard characteristics and there's some, <clears throat> there's some, you know, other ones that people discuss. Um, there's usually a language delay with a good degree of catch up. Um, however, I think the, the thinking is going oh, kind of away from that one. You know, the more people, you know, the more PDA is studied, I think that the language thing may fall off, but I'm not sure. We've had some very precocious, um, speakers and language development with the families that we've worked with. I know in our case, um, we did have, we, we did have a language delay, um, they, another characteristic is they resist the ordinary demands of life. And, you know, again, that's a whole other episode. Um, but it's really important to think about what exactly a demand is um, and the types of demands that there that exist every single day, every minute of your life. Um, our PDAers appear to be sociable, but they lack depth and understanding of what actually makes um, makes up, you know, the social nuances. They they appear to be social, but it's it's very um, superficial. Um, they often have sensory issues because let's you know let's not forget that um, PDA is also autistic. Um, so we, there's you'll have the comorbidities of having sensory issues. Um, Many of them are unable to follow routines if they're set by others. Um, the, the brain of a PDAer thrives on novelty and control. So while they might like a routine, most likely it's going to be their routine that they like and not something that's set by somebody else. Um, they have excessive mood swings and impulsivity. Um, and this is where it can, PDA can be missed, you know, missed here because it can all, it can look like so many other, um, just, I hate to use the word disorders, but it can look, it can look like other things that can cause, uh, mood swings and impulsivity. 
um, parents often describe a, Je a Jekyll and Hyde personality. And I'm going to be honest with you. This was the characteristic that when I read it, I thought this is, I, this is my son. This is my son right here. Like, um, this was like the neon flashing lights of, Oh, this is, we have an answer. Um, well, and then, and um, so to last, add, add to that, when we're talking about mood swings or the Jekyll and Hyde, um, we're not talking about one day they're this way and one day they're another way. We're talking about, you know, within a few minutes, within an hour, um, in, in one moment, they are kind, sweet, loving, very happy and very calm and in a split second that completely changes and and you and then you suddenly find yourself um with a, a child who's very angry very dysregulated um and uh screaming crying um often it, it escalates into a physical perhaps, perhaps yeah violent and, destructive yes mm -hmm. and and um we talk about as a parent you can almost feel like you're having whiplash because um mm -hmm. because you'll go between those very quickly and sometimes it's so incredibly difficult to understand what's switched in them um and and the thing with pda that switch is when that anxiety um, ignites inside of them and, and it, it ignites to a level of like a forest fire. And, and that's mm -hmm. why you have this extreme. Um, but because it's this instinctual reaction, they're not choosing it. Um, it's not pleasant for them and they don't like it. And sometimes they don't know how to even put out that fire. And, um, but when that fire goes back out, you, you now are back to a child who has come back to calm, sweet, funny, um, and, and you can go between remorseful, very, remorseful. very remorseful, very remorseful, um, because because it's an automatic reaction, um, mm -hmm. they, they don't enjoy it. They don't like it, but they also can't, um, just turn it off. And so mm -hmm. they, my daughter is always, and has always been incredibly remorseful. Um, and that is, that's really, really difficult on her. Um, Cause that, that brings in another demand and, and then you're also loading on guilt and, and shame and that's another demand. Um, but so I just, I kind of wanted to go into what, what is the mood swings? What is this Jekyll and Hyde? Um, it's not, we had a really nice week and then they were so grumpy the next week. Um, right. it, it's not that type of a cycle. It's you're going to, you're, you're going to run, especially for a PDA or who's not living, um, in a low demand environment. And if they're not being supported, you, you're going to run these cycles, um, like almost continually all day. That's how it was for us. We would right. just like, we would get, yeah. we would get to calm and within a couple minutes, she would be escalated again. And it was so, and it's exhausting because you're, you're always trying to, to bring, to get Figure back to calm, but also you don't know why they're not calm. You're like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what your problem is. So I don't really know how to calm you. And, um, but that's when you find PDA and you find the characteristics 
And when you talk about it, you were like, oh, yes. And, and we hear that so often with the families that we work with is that, you know, it's always that 2 a.m. Google search out of desperation and they look at the characteristics and the light bulb goes off. And that's usually what we call the first light bulb moment. And it's like, it can't be any other, it cannot be any other thing other than this. Because you're, you're, you're out there searching for the, you know, you're searching and searching. You're going to experts and you're trying to get help for this. You're trying to get help for that. And they're telling you it's ODD. They're telling you bipolar. They're telling you it's reactive attachment disorder. You know, they're telling you all of these things. And you're like, no, it's, you know, no, it's, it's not that. And you come across these characteristics and you're like, I, I literally, when I first, when I first read it, I thought somebody has moved in with us has been here for two weeks, didn't tell me, and they've written this, you know, they've written these characteristics because this is the life I'm living. That, that's this is a, the life I'm living. That's exactly, um, that's exactly how we felt um, when we were told, hey, you, you need to look at PDA because that's what I believe is going on. And so as soon as my husband and I started like reading the characteristics and, um, hearing other families, I, I just immediately was sobbing because, um, one of the main things, and we hear this so much is you feel incredibly isolated in this experience. Um, as a mother, I was like, I must somehow have caused this, like something is wrong with me and I'm a bad I'm a bad mom. Like I can't take care of my own child. And, um, then when you have the opportunity to hear somebody else talk about it, uh, you go, I am not alone and I'm not crazy. Um, this is a real thing that's happening. And, um, you know, I, I just, I just like sobbed and sobbed and, um, was so happy to have finally have like a glimmer of hope. Um, so some of the other characteristics, um, is one, one thing that really stood out for us is, um, a PDA tends to make eye contact and that can, that can pose a huge challenge in having, um, that autism diagnosis. Um, it is generally believed that an autistic person cannot make, um, eye contact. And, and it is really exciting because, um, just everyone is learning more about the autistic experience and, and what it truly means to be autistic and that there's different presentations, um, which is so exciting to me. Um, and, and so a PDA tends to make eye contact and, and they're social. They're, they're social. They look, they appear to be social. They, and that's another thing. Oh, yes. Well, they're social. They'll have a conversation with me and they make eye contact. They cannot be autistic. And, and I'm saying sarcastically yes. for those, for people who are listening and can't see my face. That was, that was sarcasm. And, um, but, but that's, so that can be a huge hurdle for parents who are like, Hey, I really need some help. Um, and, and I, I need this roadmap to my child. Um, I need some direction on how to support them and that they appear social and they can, they can make eye contact. And so, you know, my daughter, they were like, well, she has friends at school. And, and so it wasn't until I was like, well, she is interacting with, you know, the other children at school, but she doesn't have she doesn't have like a full and complete understanding of, of the interactions and what's going on. And mm -hmm. she's missing pieces, um, to what's, to what is going on. And, um, 
And so that's an important thing is that they can, they appear social, but they lack that depth of understanding. And that's where that eye contact comes in. And, and there's no scientific proof to this, but it is my belief that a PDA will make more eye contact because they have a deeper desire to read and understand the situation because of that anxiety inside of them. They, they have a deeper desire to look at you, to, to read what is going on, um, but they're autistic and it's hard to read facial expressions and it's hard to read body language. And, and so because of that anxiety fueling them, and just in, in our experience was just a little bit different because I, you know, I've said before, my son is a little bit more like the many, many of our families come to us and say, I think my child is autistic, but we can't get the diagnosis because many of our families, their children have the atypical presentation of autism. And with us, our son was diagnosed with, with level two autism. Well, actually it was PDD NOS back when that was mm. the thing um, before he was three. So my son presents a little bit more typically, you know, he has, he has more typical autism characteristics. So with us, it's a little bit different because he, he will, he's listening to everything you're saying. He may not respond because it's a demand and it just may not be important to him. And he doesn't make the eye contact that, probably your daughter would because she has that atypical presentation of autism. So just kind of throwing it out there just because, you know, let's not, you know, with, let's just be an outlier here of an outlier. <laughs> of an outlier. Um, so one of the other characteristics that, um, that I find so fascinating and, and I also find um, it to be a very, big challenge for the people around the PDA and that is um they can the PDAs struggle with recognizing a social hierarchy um and that that goes back into that anxiety and they they need to know what's going on they want to have a say in what's happening um but this can be really really difficult, especially, um, maybe with extended family. Um, and it's really difficult in a school setting because, um, a PDA -er, they, they feel that they are socially equal, um, with all the adults around them. So, so they're not going to go, okay, you're the adult, therefore automatically you are the leader and, and I will follow and submit to your leadership. That PDA is like, Hey, we're like, we're both in charge. And that PDA could even be like, I think that I know a little bit more. And I'm, I probably am <laughs> even slightly above you. Um, and so we, we experienced this, um, when my daughter was a three-year-old and she oh, yeah. thought that she was co-teaching the Sunday school class. And, and, and like, she thought that she could instruct the other children or, um, you know, making sure that the rules were enforced to anybody as a three-year-old. And, um, and she's always felt that she's an equal decision maker with me and my husband. And so if, if we are, if we were like just trying to plan events for the weekend, she, she would think that she has an equal say at three or four, um, you know, like they're going to sit at the adult table at the holiday meal. Um, 
because they're equal with the adults and, and that's like their position. And, and that can be really challenging when you're at, you know, a big Thanksgiving and it's like, oh, hey, you have to sit at the kid table and that, you know, and they're like, uh, I do what I want. And, you know, you don't have the authority to tell me not to. Um, and, and so that, that can make people around them feel like the child is challenging their authority. Um, but remembering that it's, it's all based out of anxiety. And, and so, um, like since my daughter was probably three and she's 13 now, she, she has always, you know, held that high position of equal decision-making. Um, and you know, that's, that's just how it's always been. It feels like she's been 17 since she was three. Right. I feel like my son has been 17 since he was in the womb. (laughs) (laughs) One podcast, some, one of our episodes needs to talk about our kiddos, like early, early days, like the first couple, because they are so similar. I I don't want to get off on this rabbit hole, but (laughs) they are, it's so similar that it's frightening. Um, yeah. Um, but it, it's not even, it's, we're talking about school and the hierarchy in school. And, you know, this is why we have, you know, we see so many issues surrounding PDA or, and, and their school. Um, it's because, and it's, it's because they don't, they don't, they don't see themselves any differently than an adult does. Um, but it, 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 it there's also more social hierarchies, like not identifying that a police officer it has you know, yes. authority, yes. not seeing, you know, so it, it, it's not just school. It's not just home, but it's, it's every aspect of, of a human being's life and how they, they interact with every other human, you know, out in the world. Um, and then another characteristic, which I find also fascinating. And, um, one of the things that fascinates me is I, is we hear it so often is they will often take on the persona or characteristics of a different person, character, um, in an attempt to be able to avoid a demand. Um, and so, uh, for us, my daughter would be a cat. Um, and so like a cat lays on the floor and, and, you know, they, they can't sit in a chair and, you know, do therapy. Um, or, or they, she sometimes would be British and, you know, she had a name to this British character. Um, but, but yeah, they can, they, they'll, that's that extreme avoidance. That's the pathological, they will do anything to avoid. Yeah. My son was a bird. We went through a, about a year of him being a bird. Um, and the way that we would interact is I would be a bird. Um, he would be a bird and we would make little bird sounds to each other and I'd go in and he would want to, this is when he was much younger. Um, it, some of it carries over still, but like he'd want to come in for affection and like mess with my hair. And he would say that he was preening my pin feathers and I would do the same thing for him. And, you know, we would just, in it, when I say it kind of carries over now, um, the way he says, I love you, or I'm thinking about you, or is we make little, you know, we make these little trills and clicks and that is our language back and forth of affection. Um, because maybe for him saying, I love you. And he does say he's very, he's a very affectionate child and he's very affectionate. Um, 
but I think it's, it's easier for him to display that instead of saying, I love you is to make that those sounds. And then the demand of hearing it back, you know, I love you too, buddy. Um, I think it, it might be easier on his nervous system for me to just respond back with a, with a, a bird trill and clicks. I, I, I don't know. It, it works. I don't know why it works, but it works. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> so a, a big part of PDA is when you understand these characteristics and, and you see them in your child, um, and you have that light bulb moment and then, um, and, and then you, you set out on this course of, I got my roadmap and, and so that kind of brings into like, why do we care? Why are we doing this? You know, why, why are we even discussing these things? And so once you, once you find PDA and, and you see it in your child and, and you recognize this inferno of anxiety burning inside of them. Um, my, my daughter was hurting. She, she hurt. She was miserable inside herself. And, and what happens is when a person is miserable, when they are in a constant state of fight or flight, uh, you know, like we talked about the brain when, when there's that disconnect and you're mm-hmm. living in fight or flight and, and you're, you're, you're switching between happy and furious and safe and terrified. And you're doing that over and over and over. It ta- it takes a toll on that child and they don't know what's going on. They don't know why this is happening and they're continually overwhelmed and and then they start to pick up on things like you know my mommy is always mad at me and that is heartbreaking and what happened is it broke my heart to see my daughter hurt like that and mm-hmm. and I I was like I, I have to do something and so once we, we started to change our entire life to support her, um, and I, and I started to see tiny glimmers of peace shine out in her, my heart broke again for all the other parents out there who are mm-hmm. going through the exact same thing, who have these hurting kids and all those, those hurting parents that they're trying and they're looking in there and they care and they're heartbroken. And I just, I really thought I can't stay quiet. I can't sit still. And I need to be able to reach these other parents and to bring them hope, to bring them encouragement so that they can bring peace and safety to these other kids. And um, when we've, yeah, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, I'm finished. Mm-hmm. When I, when I started seeing, you know, once, once I fully understood the, the dramatic paradigm shift that needed to happen. And once we made that paradigm shift and we started supporting his nervous system in the way that it was, it needed to be supported. Um, we saw such a drastic change in our family. Yes. He was happier. Um, he, my son has a very outward expression of PDA and, um, we were living with, extreme violent outbursts to the point where three years ago, before we started this PDA journey, I, I sincerely believed we would probably having 
have to look at um, some kind of, you know, full-time residential placement for him because I, it, he was so, it, his behaviors were so extreme. Um, and it didn't, and, and it's not like we weren't, we, we were seeing psychiatrists, we were seeing specialists, we were seeing this person, we were seeing that person, we were trying this med, we were trying that med. And it, it just, it, it was, PDA was the right fit. And having a low arousal, low demand environment for him to thrive in, I don't fear that anymore. I don't, I don't fear. Our, our, our lives are so much more peaceful and he is so much happier and we have joy in our house. Does it look like our neighbor's joy with their kids? Probably not, but that's okay. You know, it's, it's okay. It's for, for where we have been and where we are now is the reason my heart and soul is in journeys with PDA yes. and why I believe so strongly in helping support families and helping, you know, wanting to get the word out that this is a thing. Yes. And, yeah. you know, if you, this, this is real, this is a thing and, you know, let's come together. Let's discuss what has worked. Let's discuss what hasn't worked you know, let's, because, you know, some things work for some people, some things don't work for another people, but let's have this community where we can connect. We can learn about co-regulation and we can help as many families, as many children, as many siblings, as many grandparents, you know, yes. as we absolutely yes. possibly can. Yes. Um, and it's a journey. It's a process. Um, it's, it's baby steps. Um, and, and that, that is where, you know, that's where our name comes from journeys with PDA. It is a, mm -hmm. it is a journey and yeah, there's the trial and the air. And, and so we, we get to gather together this community and, and bring people out of isolation and, and we can help encourage those parents with the broken hearts and, and we can all, we can come together because just like we talked about, like the presentation of your son and the presentation of my daughter, they, those are different. They're still PDA. And, and so when mm -hmm. we get to bring together this community and all of these people with all different experiences, we can come and support each other. And yep. then we get to see um, relationships being restored. Um, and I like, I am saying firsthand the restoration of the relationship between me and my daughter is, um, it, it's a, it's phenomenal. It's amazing. Um, you know, my journey is about three years as well. And, um, we barely had a relationship because there was so much tension and so much, so mm -hmm. much of her anxiety, but yet so much of my own anxiety. And, and so just this week, um, we got in the car together and, and, she actually was able to say to me, I feel like we're growing so much closer and, and the restoration of that relationship and, and the growing of the trust and the friendship is so incredibly beautiful and it's so exciting. And, um, I just, I, you know, I want to be able to give that to others. So those others, little girls and the little boys who are so sad and, and hurting can have that opportunity to find peace and hope and to flourish. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. It's why um, what we do. It's our why. 
that's our why. That's why we're, that's why we're here. And that's why we're doing it. And so we hope that, um, if you're listening today, that hopefully this maybe helped you find your light bulb moment. Maybe it set you on a path. Um, our website has so many resources and, um, so much support. Um, so check out, check out our website. It's journeyswithpda.com. Um, and we're going to also link, um, the PDA society website so that you can find that, um, that is a great resource that, uh, we really strongly recommend. Um, what else? Um, I, I've just, I've got all these things in my head. I want to say, and I just can't get them out. Um, ditto. I'm just going to say ditto what, <laughs> what Carissa said. We're so glad that you chose to, you know, spend these past, you know, 45 minutes with us and, um, reach out to us, please. We, you can email us at journeyswithpda at gmail.com. Um, or there's a nice little form on the beautiful website that Carissa built for us recently. Um, like a contact form, you can reach out to us there too. Yeah. So if you're curious to learn more about pathological demand avoidance, um, if you're looking to learn more about, um, the support, um, what, what is low demand? What is a low arousal environment? Um, you know, make sure to subscribe, um, check out our website and, uh, see, even the dogs know how important this is. And so con reach out to us and, um, we would love to have you a, a part of our community. Um, Heather and I, um, are PDA, PDA certified trainers. Um, and so we also can do one-on-one -on -one support, um, with families or, um, even an, even an autistic adult, um, we, we're happy to come alongside you, um, and help you pick through the pieces. Or PDA adult. We, we yes. are getting, we are getting more and more, um, in inquiries from PDA adults. Um, yes. So P PDA adults are absolutely welcome, um, in our community. Um, and, and we welcome your insight and, um, any support that we can offer to you. We, we have that as well. Okay. Well, thank okay. you for joining our well coffee chat. Um, we're going to charge the storm. It's literally blizzarding at my house today. So, oh. yeah. All right. So oh. thank you for, sorry. Thank you for being here and chatting with us and reach out if we can support you. Have a great day.